Well, hello, church. Hello. I feel like there's such a deep sense of love this morning. Because um, all the most lovely people on this planet are now in this church. All the most loving people. Where, where the mothers are at? Can, can I see your hands if you're a mother in this house? Wow. So many. Wow. Welcome, welcome. Happy Mother's Day again. Um, now, thank you if you're joining us online and if you're joining us also at City Campus and obviously here in Willerton. We've got a very special message, not just for the mothers, but for every single one of us. So let's just dive in there. Today, I have a very timely message. I believe that God will speak to us and bless us. Turn with me to Joshua chapter 24, verse 14 to 15. It should be on your screens, or if you got it on your phones, your devices, I'm going to read it out for us. Verse 14. Now fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in the land you are living but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. When I was in my teens, clearly many, many years ago, <laughs> eight out of every 10 Christian households that I would visit would have this last few words somewhere in the house. Thanks, Danny. It would have something like that. Can you guys see this? No, it's zooming in. Maybe I should zoom in myself manual zoom. Well, it will say something like, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's almost like a given. Every time when you go into a Christian house, you could go in there, you say, are you a Christian? Yes, you're a Christian. This is a Christian house. Let me find it. <laughs> and then it's almost like a game. You go in there, you try to find something like that within the house. Now, it can be handwritten, it can be printed, it can be painted, it can be embossed, embroidered, whatever it might be. But the chances are Eight out of ten, you will find this in a Christian household. How many of us know, that, know what I'm talking about? Yeah? Actually, how many of us actually have that in our home? Something like that. Oh my gosh, that's quite a lot of you. Praise the Lord. And that's a good thing. Because it's a reminder for us and our families what we're all about. But would you believe me if I say that that statement, as for me and my household, has much more than it meets the eye? It actually means a lot more than what we normally think it is. And what I want to do today is to unpack the verses so that we get a clearer picture and, and therefore a deeper appreciation when we say, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. So let's take a look at this. Joshua 24, where we are in the story of Israel is that now they have finally taken possession of the promised land. And so they're in a fairly good place. Things are not so rocky for them. They kind of settled down. It's kind of like you bought a new home, you renovated it, it's all done, or you built a house, and now you finally get to live in it. And now you start thinking about the future. What are we going to do? What do I want to do with my house? What painting would I want to have on the wall? What do I wanna, where do I want to put my family's photos? So they're kind of in that place where they are doing well and they're doing a self-examination. Joshua 24, 15 says this, Joshua says this, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable, uh, undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. You will see a word that keeps appearing is a key word throughout today's passage, to serve. 
Now, the Hebrew word for to serve is the word abad. Everyone say abad. Abad. Abad means servitude. It implies worship. It also implies coming under someone or something, being subject to something or someone. And what Joshua is doing is he's talking to the Israelites and he's inviting them to examine themselves. Hey, guys, do a quick check on yourselves and ultimately make a choice. You can choose either to serve the gods before you or you can serve the gods around you or you can serve the almighty God himself. And I believe that as we unpack today's verse, that God is going to invite us. He's inviting us and challenging us to make a similar choice. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me? God, would you speak powerfully and mightily to your people? Would you stir in our hearts, hearts of faith once again, so that we can choose to obey and choose to serve you? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now what I want to do is to present the three choices that Joshua gives to the Israelites and let God speak to us. Number one, we can choose to concede. We can choose to concede. In verse 15, the first thing that Joshua says is, you can choose, guys, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates River. You see, before God entered into the picture for the Israelites, the Israelites, the families and the ancestors of the, of, the, of the Israelites serve under what they call foreign gods from one generation to the next. You see this a little bit earlier in the chapter in verse 2. And it says this, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, they lived beyond the Euphrates River and they worshipped other gods. Now, the people were doing so not out of willingness, but out of helplessness. Because in order to appeal to the gods, you have to appease them. You have to make them happy. And so out of helplessness, they have to be trapped under the demands, the whims, and the fancies of these foreign gods, even the most horrific one. And I'll show you one, but there are many more. Jeremiah 19 verse 5 says this, They have built the high places of Baal, a, a foreign god, to burn their children in the fire as offerings to Baal. They would burn their children in order to hope for a better future. And many other things, such as temple prostitutions of their kids, of women, just so that they can make these foreign gods happy. Now, before we begin to get tempted to think that this is a thing of the past, millions and millions of families today are still being trapped by these kind of powers. This insidious, this power that used to trap generations after generations, used to manifest themselves as foreign gods. But in modern day families today, you and I today, this power is manifested through intergenerational hurts, abuse, and trauma. And church, to unpack that a little bit, I have invited a very special guest to join me today in sharing this part of today's message. Would you give a big God bless you to the most lovely pe person I know, my beautiful wife, Vanessa. Hello. How are you feeling? A little bit nervous. A little bit nervous, just a little? Hello, church. Hello. 
As Dan mentioned, my name is Vanessa, and um, I'm a little bit nervous, indeed. <laughs> um, but now that I've named it and get it out of my way, I work as a children and family therapist with a special focus on families experiencing intergenerational trauma. Intergenerational trauma is what happens when distressing events or experiences are passed down from one generation to the next, often in unspoken and deeply complex ways. Trauma can be transmitted in many ways, from our genetics, like a child born to an alcoholic mum is more likely to grow up becoming alcoholic themselves, to conversations at the dinner table, like a verbally abusive dad, threatening the safety of his family out of pure rage, to plain sinful lifestyles, like mum or dad committing adultery and eventually abandoning their marriage. The effects of sin can be passed down from one generation to the next. You see, sin can be private, but it's never personal. Our sins always affect others. The dysfunctions of the previous generations often gets passed down and hold this generation captive. When we as mums and dads choose to live a sinful life, our children are more likely to end up practicing the same lifestyles or repeating the same destructive behavioral patterns. How many of us have heard of this saying? It, it runs in the family. Yes? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. We hear this and we see this both spiritually and scientifically. Instead of inheriting godly faith, our future generations can end up inheriting and serving a dysfunctional, harmful pattern on repeat. Last school term, I ran a therapy group with a cohort of mothers and caregivers. And I noticed a recurring theme in the group. In one story, one participant talked about her great-grandma, who was so abused and so broken. You see, great-grandma was manipulated by her family. I'm not going to go into details, but the family made her, constantly made her feel and think that she was not good enough. Wow. And so she lived in pain, believing a narrative that she was never, ever going to be good enough. And so she coped with the pain and the hurt by turning to drugs and alcohol. And we know that um, the story doesn't end there because hurt people hurt people. 
Out of hurt, she hurt her children in return. And her children, out of hurt, hurt their children. And now, this mum, third generation on, sees herself doing the very same thing to her own children. And she got so scared because she can totally see herself perpetuating and repeating the same pattern down the line. The same destructive pattern just gets repeated and repeated. Now, friends, if that somewhat describes your story, then I'm truly sorry for what had happened. We can't change, we can't turn back the clock or change the past. We can certainly run from it, but we can't change the past. I'm a Christian therapist But before I'm a therapist, I'm first and foremost a Christian. And I believe this to be true. Therapy can help, but only God can heal. Amen. Amen. Amen? Yes, the transformative power of Christ can heal us and our future generations when we surrender ourselves to Christ. God says in Isaiah 49, verse 25, and I read from the message version. I'm the one, God says, who's on your side, defending your cause and rescuing your children. Amen. Wow. Wow. The power of Christ is able to rescue to restore, to reconcile, and to redeem our families. Indeed, God says, oh no, God didn't just say, He he promises that He would show His love to a thousand generations, to those who love Him and keep His commandments. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Wow. What a powerful word. Wow, thank you. Now, Pastor Rick Warren, uh, who wrote this amazing book, Purpose Driven Life, he said this, he wrote this in his book. We are products of our past, but we don't have to be prisoners of it. God's purpose is not limited by your past. In Philippians 2.13, Paul says this, God is working in you. He's still working in you. He wants your plans and your actions to fulfill His good purpose. Brothers brothers and sisters, friends, I want to let you know this. God is still at work in you. God is still at work in your family. God has a good purpose in your family. And if it hasn't turned out good yet, God is not done yet. God is still working in the things that you were doing and going through. And God has a plan for you. Now, our God is in the business of healing, and our God wants to heal your family. And that's something that you have been experiencing. You can make a stand today and say, I will concede no more. Because God is in my family. God can work miracles in my family. 
My past does not define me. My hurts do not destroy me because God can work in my generation. The buck stops here with me and my generation and God will come and heal me and my future generation. You can make that prayer today because just as the Israelites had a choice, we too have a choice. We don't have to concede to our past. We have a choice. And the second choice is this. We can choose to conform we can choose to concede, and the second choice is we can choose to conform. In verse 15, it says this, Or you can also serve the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are living. You see, when the Israelites moved into the promised land, they didn't live in a vacuum. They inherited a land that had a narrative, had a story, had a history, that they needed to be in the God's good books in order to lead a good life. Would you, tell, would you believe me if I say the same is the case for us? That none of us today live in a vacuum. We're living in a society with a narrative telling us that we need to fit a certain mold, a certain type in order to be living the good life. You know, the gods of our society no longer looks like totem poles and statues and idols. You know what they look like? They look like you and me. They look like us living in massive houses overseeing the river. They look like you and I driving and owning luxurious sports SUVs. They look like you and I living it loud in that lucrative nine to five job. They look like you and I having the freedom and the financial resources anytime, any given day to be able to go and have a champagne brunch with our friends and our family living the good life. Now, now friends, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying any of this is wrong. I'm not saying this is bad. Actually, if you have any one of these things or if you have all of these things, I'm genuinely happy for you. But the problem is when we come to believe the narrative that this is what the good life is supposed to look like. The problem is when we make this the goal of our life rather than God, our all in all. The problem is when we center all our decisions in life, depending on what gets us closer to this instead of what gets us closer to God. If we have, then we have a problem. We have chosen to conform to the ideals of society where God has chosen us to conform into the image of His Son. Romans 8 says it this way in verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Friends, God created you and I for a purpose. It says here that there is a good purpose that God is working out for us. He's, when He created you, He had a plan in mind. When He created you, He had a purpose in His heart. He created you for a purpose. And verse 29, it goes on to say and describe what that purpose looks like. For those God knew, He foreknew, He also predestined, He had planned ahead of time to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. What is God's purpose for you and me? It's to conform to the image of His Son. It's to look like Him and to be like Him and be with Him forever. Any other purpose to live for is purposeless or purposeless. Have you ever tried chasing a dream and then when you finally work hard and you get there, 
that it doesn't feel as satisfying as you thought it would be. Have you ever tried to chase after an ideal and when you're finally there or close enough, you feel like it's not as happy and as joyful and as fulfilling as it would have panned out? That's because God created you and I for something more. You were made for God. And this is what the Bible is telling us today. But the good news is we don't have to concede to our past. The good news is we don't have to conform to the ideals of our society or worldly ideals. The good news is we still have a choice. And the third choice is this. We can choose to commit. We can choose to commit. Now, let, let, me, let me take a step back. Wait, wait, wait. Pastor Dan, but didn't Pastor Benny say last week, don't commit? <laughs> if you were there last Sunday, or if you missed last Sunday's message, you should really tune in. Go to YouTube and watch it, Facebook. It was a really good message by Pastor Benny. Just don't do it now, please. Finish this one first, and then you can watch it after this service. Now, I spoke with Pastor Benny. I said, Pastor Benny, what do you mean? So Pastor Benny was saying, what he's saying is not that we shouldn't commit. Rather, he's saying, first surrender to God, and then commit. He's not saying they're mutually exclusive. The choice is not between surrendering or committing. It's actually both. So with that in mind, verse 15 comes the key verse for today's message. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. This verse is often cited as a family motto, as a declaration of our faithfulness to God. God, this is who we are as a family. God, this is who we are as a household. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. But let me take you into its context so that we can understand this a little bit more. In verse 2, to 13, the run-up to this particular declaration. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's very long, but what I want to do is just to read enough for you to get what I'm trying to say. So from verse 2 onwards, Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. Now this is God speaking. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him throughout the Canaan, and I gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country of Seir to Esau, but Jacob and his family went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there, and I brought you out when I brought your people out of Egypt. Do you get what I'm saying? 21 times throughout this whole passage, God acted on behalf of the Israelites. I did this. I brought you out. I delivered I drove them out. I fought for you. 21 times God acted on behalf of the Israelites. And in contrast, in verse 12 and 13, God says this, I send the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you, also the two Amorite kings. You did not do it with your own sword and bow. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil, and you cities you did not build, and you live in them and you eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. 21 times God acted on, the, on behalf of the Israelites. Whereas the Israelites, they didn't do no nothing, God said. They didn't have to do anything. They won battles, they didn't fight. They got land, they didn't plow. They took cities, they didn't build. They ate crops, they didn't plant. Why? Because God was acting on their behalf. 
Our God is a God who acts on our behalf. Our God is a God who works behind the scenes. Our God is a faithful God, even when we are faithless. That's what it means. So when you read it in its context, verse 15, as for me and my household, it is not a declaration of our faithfulness to God. It's a declaration of God's faithfulness to us. Do you see that? God saved us, so how can I not but serve Him? God fought for us, so how can I not but serve Him? God has given me so much, how can I not but serve Him? God has been so good to us, so how can I not but serve Him? But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. That is what it means. That is the context in which this declaration came out through the lips of Joshua. So brothers and sisters, we can choose not to concede. We can choose not to conform. We can choose to commit to serving the Lord, the one who is faithful, even when we are faithless, the one who is working miracles on our behalf, even though we can't see it right now. But before we leave today, I want to give us four practical steps. Lest this Mother's Day message, this message runs over our heads. Oh, it's such a wonderful message on a Sunday and then we don't do anything about it. I want to give us four practical steps so that on Monday morning tomorrow, you can begin to do this and commit to God as a household. And when I say household, I mean you can do it with your family, with your kids. As a couple, if you've got no kids, that's part of your household. I will go with the WA, the Western Australian government's definition of a household in terms of close contacts. <laughs> Anyone within the same house is a household, even if you're not married, even if you're housemates, you can do this as a household. Four practical steps. These are simple steps that bless my family and I believe they'll greatly bless yours as well. Number one, commit to reading God's word as a household. Let God's truth redefine your family, your household's past, present, and future. What my family has done in the recent season is literally to sit down for a 20-minute block and together with uh, our son, Vanessa and I, we will sit down and read out loud scripture, the Bible, together. And it has blessed us. I love our faith, so, so I love our faith kids ministry, our kids ministry. They taught us how to do soap, right? Scripture, observation, action, and prayer. That's what we do. You can just soak in there. My, it, it, uh, it, it has been such a blessing to my son. Where, where are all the Faith Kids volunteers at in, in this house? Can I see all the Faith Kids volunteers? Okay, you can raise your hands and let me know where you are. Wow. Church, can you give a big God bless you and thank you to our Faith Kids ministry. They are literally shaping the next generation for us. So reading God's word, you can commit to that as a household. Number two, commit to praying as a household. Let God's presence and power fill your household daily. It's one thing to pray for your kids, for your family. It's quite another thing to pray with your family. Don't just pray for our family. I know all of us as parents, we do that. Pray, sorry, don't just pray for them, pray with them. You know how Jesus taught his disciples to pray? He didn't pray for them. He showed them how to pray. He prayed with them. He modeled what prayer is like for them. And we can do the same for our household pray with them. Number three, commit to attending Connect Group as a household. Let God's people support your family in this journey of growing together in God. In this season, my family and I have been blessed by our Connect Group. For the last two years, we've been part of a Connect Group. It's been one of the biggest blessings in our time here in FCC. Now, if you're not part of a Connect Group, you really need to get into one. So here's how you can do it. It's super simple. 
If you're watching, joining us online, you can go on to FCC.live, go to Connect tab, and let us know, I want to be part of a Connect group. And our volunteers and leaders will get connected with you and make sure that you do get plugged into the Connect group. But for those of us who are in Williston here or in city campus, after service, head out to the Connect Lounge just outside, wherever you're sitting at, and then connect with one of our leaders and volunteers who can help you to get connected with the Connect group. You need that in this season. Commit to attending a Connect group as a household. Last but not least, commit to serving God as a household. Let God's great commission become your family's primary preoccupation. Serve together, find opportunities in a connect group, in Faith Kids Ministry, in the media team, on the worship team. Our church has been so blessed by so many families who are all serving in different ministries throughout the week. And you can do the same, not just to serve God, but to allow God to bless and grow your family through that. So number, so number four, commit to serving God as a household. Amen. Shall we commit to that, church? Yes. So there we have it. The three choices given to the Israelites and what they mean for us today. But before we end, I want to show you something that God showed me during my time of study. Let me show you this. 40 years before this moment in history, in Joshua 24, the Israelites were still slaves in Egypt. And the Israelites wouldn't even imagine that they could have a choice. Choose. Choose what? I can't choose. What, why, why would that be the case? Look at me. Look, not look at me. <laughs> look with me. Don't look at me. Look with me to Exodus chapter 2, verse 23, 25. During that long period, the king of Egypt had died. So this one generation and another pharaoh, another king of Egypt took over. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. So God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham and Isaac and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. The English word slavery in Hebrew is the word aboda. Everyone say aboda. Aboda. Aboda means slavery, which is the noun equivalent, the noun version of the verb Abad, that we have been talking about today. So when the Israelites were in Aboda, in slavery to Egypt, they had no choice but to Abad or to serve Egypt. The Bible says that God looked on the Israelites and He was concerned about them. So what did God do? God sent Moses to deliver His people out of their Aboda. But for what purpose? If you read a little bit on, Exodus 3 verse 12. God was talking to Moses. When you, Moses, have brought the people out of Egypt, you all will worship God on this mountain. The Hebrew word for worship here is the same key word, abad, to serve, to worship. So why did God set his people free from their aboda in Egypt? It's so that they no longer need to be in aboda, but instead can now freely abad him. Do you get what I'm saying? where they had no choice, they now have a choice. They can choose, and they can choose God because of what He has done for them. Are you getting this? 2,000 years ago, God did the exact same thing for you and I. Not just for the Israelites anymore, but for everyone. That includes you and me. God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, to set us free from the aboda of our past hurts and our past sins. 
Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it says this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Christ has set us free. We are now free. So stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Friends, God has set us free. You are free from your past. You are free from your prison of empty, vain pursuits. Like the Israelites, you now have a choice. You can choose God because Jesus Christ has redeemed us from every sin and brokenness. Today, we don't have to concede to our past. Today, we don't have to conform to worldly ideals. Today, you and I can commit to God because of what He has done. I was four years old when my mom became the first Christian in our family. And from the very beginning, mom would believe and she would pray, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. But my dad didn't believe. He refused to believe. But mom persisted. So every Sunday morning, she would bring my brother and I, little boys, to church. Imagine dragging little, two little monkeys, right? Really playful little monkeys up on the bus, up on the train, rain or shine, she will always bring my brother and I to church. <laughs> I remember a funny story. When I was young, I was quite a budding evangelist, even when I was four years old. So I remember one time trying to convince my dad to become a Christian, and I said to him, Dad, if you don't believe in Jesus, then you can't be together with us. Because when we die, we go to heaven. But when you die... That's not the best way to evangelize. I do not propose that, okay? But things that you can get away with when you are super young. But by the grace of God, mom persisted. And, and, and thanks be to God, when I was seven, when I was seven turning eight, dad finally became a Christian. And that's a whole different story for a whole different time. But after that, God began to change our family. When the whole household became part of God's family, spiritual family, our physical, biological family took on an even greater transformation. We began to experience God's peace like never before. We began to experience God's joy in our family like never before. We began to experience God's presence and love like never before. And even His power, you know, that was set free from His gambling addiction. And he became an even more loving husband and a family to my dad, to my dad, my mom, my brother and I. But 30 years later today, 30 years on, things haven't changed. My mom is still an incredible woman of faith. She's still an incredible woman who persists. She prays every day for us and she commits, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here speaking in front of you today. You know why? To be honest, a little while before I was about to move to Perth to come to FCC to become a pastor here, something tragic happened in my family. And it was so serious that I was this close to calling it off to moving to Perth, to say, I'm not gonna move to Perth. It's better for me to remain in Singapore. I was this close. And in the midst of that, all that confusion, mom came up to me one day and she said to me, son, if God has called you to serve him in Perth. Who are we to stop that? Don't worry about us. We'll be okay. God will take care of us. This is the woman of faith my mom 
has always been. Because in her heart, she's always said, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Would you give the Lord a big hand if that's spoken to you? God will take care of us, she told us. And I want to let you know that God has. He's been more than enough for us, financially, emotionally, physically, relationally. God has taken care of us so well, so much, more than we can ever ask or imagine. And today I stand before you as living, breathing proof of God's faithfulness and of His goodness. Friends, you too can say, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Because that is the kind of God that we serve. He's a great and faithful God. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads with me for a little bit? Friends, I want you to know that God loves you and He wants to give you a fresh start if that's you today. He wants to come into your life and He wants to set you free so that you can freely choose Him. You know, if you've never invited Jesus into your life, you've never prayed that prayer, say, Jesus, would you come into my life? If you've never become a believer, I want to strongly encourage you to make that decision today because it's the best decision you can ever make in your life. And what we're going to do is I'm just going to lead you in a simple prayer and I just want you to believe in your heart what you're saying. Simple as that. And if that's you today and something is tugging at your heart today, I want to let you know that that is God working in your life and He's saying, let me in, let me in. I want to come into your life. So with every eyes closed and every head bowed, if that's you today, I'm going to count to three and I want to ask you to just gently raise your hands and keep it up there for a little bit so I know who I'm praying for and who I'm leading into prayer. So if that's you today, would you raise your hands at a count of three? One, two, three. Would you raise your hands if that's you today? You keep your hands up there. Wonderful. Just keep your hands up there so I can see that. If that's you today, would you raise your hands? And if you're watching online, if you're in city campus, you can also raise your hands. I see the hand right there, the gentleman in the middle block. God bless you. Keep your hands there. And, and, and city campus, keep your hands up. If you're watching online, keep your hands up. And I'm going to pray for you all in a little bit. Is there anyone else? I want to pray for you. Is there anyone else? Fantastic, fantastic. All right. Here's what I would like you to do. Um, if your hands are up and you're joining us online or in City Campus or in Williton, I'm going to pray and line by line, I just want you to follow in the prayer that I've made and believe the words that you're saying. Church, would you join our friends in that prayer? Come, let's do this. Lord Jesus, I receive you into my life. I need a fresh start. And I know you can give that. I acknowledge my need for you. Today, I receive you and accept you as my Lord and Savior. I believe that you are the Son of God and teach me what that means for the days that are to come. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say, Amen. Would you give a big hand to God? Friends, if you made that prayer, 
I'm not going to ask you to come to the front, but here's what I would like you to do. Take out your phones, go to FCC.live, FCC.live on your browser, go to the Connect tab, and choose the option, I accepted Christ today, I received Christ today. Let us know who you are, and what we're going to do, our team is going to try to catch up with you, give you some gifts so that you can start this new journey in Christ Jesus, and you can receive the fullness of the new life that you can have in God. So online, city, campus, in Williton, if that's you, go onto your phones and let us know that you made that prayer, and we'll celebrate with you today. Well, church, before we end the service, I've been praying leading up to this day. And I pray, and in my prayers, I feel like God is calling some of us to make a commitment. To commit not to concede anymore to our past, to say, I will make a stand and I will not crumble under my past. To make a stand and say, I will not, like, I will not take on the narrative of this world. I will be different and, and I will stand in my commitment to God. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I feel like some of us, God is calling you as parents, as couples, as individuals representing your family. Your family might not be here today. Your kids might not be here today, but that's you and God is calling you to the radical commitment to change your generation and the generations after you. If that's you, I want you to come to the front while we are worshiping and I want you to make that commitment before God and the church, all of us, the leaders are going to make the same commitment with you and stand with you. So if that's you, I want to invite you to come to the front and make that commitment before God. For those who are at the front, would you raise your hands high up to the Lord as a commitment as you make this stand before God? If you're in the seats and you're not down, but that's God's call in your heart, I want you to raise your hands high up as well and say, God, I receive this prayer. We pray in the name of Jesus that every hurt, every trauma, every abuse that has happened in your life will have no hold on you in the name of Jesus. We pray every sin that has hurt you we pray every sin that you have stepped into, every sin that you have feel, felt chained to in your life will be broken in the name of Jesus. And God will set you free and God will heal your family to bring about new days and a new fresh start in your family. We pray in the name of Jesus that as you make that commitment to God, that God is, will also show up in mighty ways in your family. I pray, we pray for God's joy, God's peace, God's love, God's power to flood those families, to flood those households where every hand is right now raised to you, God. Would you see in heaven, just as you were concerned for the Israelites, you are concerned for us even now and you're working on our behalf even when we can't see it. Faithful God, we call upon you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. All God's people say, Amen and amen. Would you give the Lord a big hand?